in the whole entire Bible, globally, worldwide. Tom's already hinted at it. I would have said, personally, it's Psalm 23. Any other guesses? Well, you're quiet lot tonight. John 3.16 is a popular one, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know exactly what it is, but if I could take my own personal, well-educated guess, it would be that it's Psalm 23. And we're going to talk about that tonight, but we're not talking about the Psalm 23 that I see when I go to my nan's house, when I jump into my nan's toilet, probably too much information, I'm sorry, when I go to my nan's toilet and I see on the back of her door, Psalm 23, there in fine print, all framed and everything in a nice font, uh, with all these cool images around it, we're not talking about that Psalm 23, and neither are we talking about the Psalm 23 uh, that you see in that typical picture of Jesus with blonde hair, blue eyes, and he's got a lamb thrown over his shoulder, you know what I mean? We're not talking about that sort of Psalm 23 this evening. This evening, we're actually talking about a Psalm 23 that was written by a real shepherd. We're talking about a Psalm 23 that was written by King David. We know him as King David, but before he was a king, he was a mere shepherd boy. And David, I reckon, he knew a thing or two about sheep. I know a thing or two about sheep myself, not as many as David would know, but I want to tell you a few things that I think I know about sheep. So my parents, they own a lovely little field beside their house, and they used to let their chickens roam freely around the field. It is the definition of free-range hens. You can't get any more free-range than that. So they let them roam around the field freely. You can imagine the picture. There's a small little chicken coop in the middle of the field, and this one day... I arrived home and peered into the field, expecting to see a chicken in the chicken coop. But I didn't see a chicken in that chicken coop. I saw a sheep. And it's not a big chicken coop at that. It's a small, small chicken coop. And I straight away ran to go and grab my sister. I said, Katie, come and look out here. There's a sheep in the chicken coop. And we straight away initially knew that there was a problem here because the first thing that we both know about sheep is that sheep can't walk backwards. (laughs) So this sheep had walked its way into the chicken coop to get some chicken feed and had gotten stuck because it couldn't turn around. And long story short, one thing led to another. It needed my dad to come around and to pull this sheep out by its back legs until it could be freed. And I wonder, to this day, might that sheep still be stuck in that chicken pen if it wasn't for a good shepherd coming along to go and free it? Because one thing that I know David knows about sheep, I wonder, I hope he does, and one thing that I definitely know about sheep, it's quite profound, wait for it, it's that sheep are really, really stupid. (laughs) So I wonder tonight, can we read Psalm 23, hopefully it's going to come up on the screens, can we read Psalm 23 together, not with the lens of that lovey-dovey Psalm 23 I see on my nan's bathroom door, or that picture-perfect image that we get of Jesus with a lamb over his shoulders, blonde hair, blue eyes, can we read it from the perspective of David writing it about stupid sheep? And let's see how the passage comes alive tonight. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a great passage, eh? Makes sense that it might be one of the most popular in the world. But there's a lot of gold in that. And tonight I don't want to talk about the whole of Psalm 23, as Thomas mentions. I want to talk about a small amount, not even a whole verse, just the first half of verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I do think David, as he knows a bit about sheep, he also knew what he was writing about when he wrote this. I believe he knew what it meant to be content in the chaos and the craziness of life. He knew what it was to be content in God's presence, even through all of that. So tonight, I have prepared a table. It's um, a little bit underwhelming, unfortunately. Uh, My budget was quite restrictive, but God's, thankfully, isn't. So his table might look a little bit better. But I want to ask you a question. Has anyone here been to a wedding before? Go on, hands up. You're so quiet tonight. Goodness me. Hear the hands, finally. Well, Imagine this picture, okay? So you've done, the whole, you've done the whole ceremony, you've come to St. Michael's, you've got married, it's lovely in here, and you turn up to the wedding reception. As you walk into the venue, you see as you walk in the foyer, don't you, there's the table plan on a big poster, or maybe like on a big easel type thing in front of you. It's all artsy again, isn't it? Um, because it's a wedding, why wouldn't it be? And then once you've figured out where your table is, you walk forward into the main dining hall. And as you enter the main dining hall, you see a table in the middle of the room laid for two. And as you walk over to the table, you see that there is a place name in the middle of the table. And you pick it up and you realize it's got your name on it. And then as you look up, you see there is a man sat at the other end of the table. He's smiling and beaming. And his name is Jesus. And he's prepared this elaborate table for you in the presence of your enemies. And you sit down, and there's going to be a bit of drama tonight. Watch out. You sit down at the table, and the chat is amazing. Uh, There's none of that awkward silence, uh, and there's none of that silly small talk that you have to get into. It is quite literally, again, the definition of maybe the best first date you've ever been on. You know, you have all that awkwardness that you sometimes have to walk through. Uh, Some of us might not have been on a first date in a long time. You might forget what it's like. (laughs) But it's none of that awkwardness that you have to go through. The chat is... Beth loved that. That wasn't meant to be that funny. The the chat is amazing, isn't it? Because it's Jesus, and he cares so much about you. He's asking how you're doing, what are the things you're struggling with in life at the moment. Let's just chat about it and the chat is amazing but whilst there's all this good chat and you're feasting on all of this food that he's laid before you there are a few things I think as broken humans that we're so prone to do and I want to walk us through a few of them this evening the first I think looks like this hey Jesus this is all amazing Um, I'm going to take a little bit of this Um, but I've got to run because I've got a meeting in 10 minutes and um, after work I haven't hung out with my mates for a while, um, so I really should probably hang out with them. And also, there's this TV program I've been watching um, recently, and if I, if I don't watch it tonight, I'll sort of be behind schedule, so that will kind of stress me out a little bit too much. So I'll be back at some point. Just let me um, take some more of this. I'll be back. Um, hold the fort. See you later. Do we ever find sometimes we 
fill our lives with so many things that Jesus becomes something on the back burner, becomes a little bit on the side. Yeah? Or maybe the second thing that I think we're prone to do is maybe this. Oh, look at all of this. I'm quite hungry as well, by the way. Look at all this. See all this on my table? It's cool, isn't it? Let me take a picture. See that? It's cool, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so many blessings going on in my life, you know? Just because um, I'm... I wouldn't say I'm a good Christian, but, you know, I just, you know, I'm always in the word, you know, things like that. Do we wonder ever here that we become so self-obsessed that we wonder, you know, we're more focused on what will we look like outwardly to the world around us than what actually matters to God, that we've become so focused on telling everyone outwardly all the cool stuff going on in our life when, if you notice, what I did there was I took off at the table but never acknowledge the person who put it right there in the first place. I remember I did that the other day, actually. I went, um, I was half an hour early for work, and that never happens. I must have been really unwell. <laughs> um, and I decided to stop at the beach. Um, and I realized five minutes after being at the beach that I had spent more time looking at my phone, trying to get a decent picture to post on Instagram, than I had actually looking at the sun coming up. And I realized I've missed the point. And I've rushed through those two points because the point I want to focus on is this third point. This is what I think we're prone to do uh, at this table. I believe we are prone to allow the enemy to pull up a seat at our table. And at first, he sits down and he's He's cool. You're getting on. The chat's good. He's learned a thing or two from Jesus. He knows what a good first date looks like. Well, the chat's amazing. You know, he's just, he's bigging you up, if anything. You know, that road rage you had earlier, dude. Uh, you know, you deserve to be mad at that guy. You said a few rude words, but um, I mean, this is all right. Well, how about your colleagues? Like, how do you deal with Tom? He's just like so difficult to work with, right? <laughs> I'm joking. He's a good vicar and he's a good boss. <laughs> But you get the point. He's sneaky. He's smart. But the problem is, when the enemy is sat at your table, you only know he's sat at your table when it gets really bad. You only know he's sat at your table when you start to hear the real lies. Maybe lies, some, some which you can relate to. You, you're the only one who can tell me tonight what the lies are that the enemy may have been telling you. But some examples maybe or Hey, you messed up last week. I'd oh, just brace yourself. It's, it's going to happen again this week. Or that person who walked away from you 10 years ago, that really hurt you. Well, you're scarred for life. That's just you now. Or that depression, that anxiety, that low self-worth that you're going through, that's like a tag attached to you right now. That's just ingrained in your system. You're never going to get rid of that. Or maybe one that's affected me for a long time in my life. You're too young. You're, 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 you're too young for this ministry thing. Everyone's going to think you're too immature. No one's going to believe in you. Or on the flip side, maybe you're too old. You're on the shelf. No one's going to give you any responsibility. They're going to hand to the next generation. You're not relevant anymore. And all this while, all this while, Jesus is sat at the other end of the table. Going, what is going on? 
I died for you. I've got scars in my hands paying the price for you and you still let him eat off your table. A table that he was never welcome at in the first place because Jesus prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. The presence of our enemies, not with our enemies. So I'm going to give you a good few challenges tonight. They're going to be in question form, quite rhetorical questions. But the first one I've got for you is so simple. Have you given the enemy a seat at your table tonight? And let me tell you that if you are or have been hearing lies such as that, maybe similar to that, maybe a little bit different, then I might make you aware this evening that the enemy is sat at your table. And I believe this is something for all of us this evening. Unless you're Jesus, it's something for you. This message this evening is so simple that I could preach it to Sunday school. But it's so important that we must apply to our lives. Is the enemy sat at your table? And once we've asked ourselves that question, naturally I want to ask myself the next question, which is why is he sat at your table? As Christians, our call is to turn away from our sin, isn't it? To turn away from our sin because we want to become more like Christ. And because Paul, he also teaches in Romans 6, he says, for the wages of sin is death. So we've got two great reasons there that we want to turn away from our sin. But my personal problem, I find, is I focus so hard on getting away from the sin in my life, in the brokenness in my life, that I naturally end up falling straight back into it because I've been so focused on it. I try steering away from it, but it's so hard to steer away from something that you're focused so hard on. Do we have any drivers in the room tonight? Don't put your hand up just yet because you'll regret after what I'm about to say. Um, Do we have any drivers in the room who look the opposite way when they're going around a corner? Don't put your hand up. If if that is the case, speak to me after and I'll make sure I never get in a car with you ever again. (laughs) But you get the point. The vessel goes in in the direction in which the eyes look don't they? Have you ever taught maybe your child to ride a bike? You tell them to look in the direction they want to go in. We become like that which we focus on. The more I focus on the sin and the brokenness in my life and I circle it, the more I become like it, the more it overwhelms me, the more it gets to me, and the more I struggle at all things in life, whereas the more I focus on Jesus in my life, the voice of truth and goodness and joy the more I become like him. We were made in the image of God. We were made to reflect his glory. That which I focus on, I become like. Why is the enemy sat at your table this evening? Is it not so simple? Because we've taken our eyes off of the good shepherd who sat opposite us at the table. The thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Notice the huge difference between the will of the enemy in your life and the will of Jesus in your life. It's astounding. I told you it's a simple message. I'm not doing anything special tonight. Simple message, but so important, I believe. Tonight, another challenge 
if you don't identify the lies that the enemy has been speaking in your life, then he will keep on picking and picking and picking away until there is nothing left of you. This evening, freedom is saying the enemy has no seat at my table. So we've asked the question, is the enemy sat at my table? We've asked the question, why is he sat at my table? So the next question that we want to ask is, well, how do we remove that chair? And I see it as a bit of a two-step process here. The first being filling our minds with Christ, locking eyes with Jesus who sat opposite us at the table. And it's a very simple way that we can do that. There are many, many simple ways. The first of which is maybe getting into the word. Have you read and heard of the story of Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness? The devil used scripture, quoted scripture against him. And how did Jesus respond? Jesus responded with scripture. What can we learn from that? What if we don't fill our hearts and our minds with the truth of God's word, then we don't have a leg to stand on when the enemy comes and tries to take a seat at our table. In fact, if we haven't filled our hearts and minds with the truth and knowledge of God's word, then there will be space, empty space, at the table that he can fill. Other ways that we could fill our minds with Christ, other ways that we could lock eyes with Jesus across us at the table, is we could decide that worship isn't just for a Sunday. Worship is an everyday thing. Wake up in the morning, put some music on. I know Sam, when he's at work, he plays worship music when he's at work. Things like that. Or maybe we could, we could come to church, some of you, twice on a Sunday. You're the real holy ones who are here tonight. Good on you. Or maybe we could decide that we want to start serving. My personal experience of serving is that it has just solidified my faith. Because I get to give out of what God has already given to me. And I get to be a part of what God's doing, not just in this community but in the global church. Or the small groups that you can get involved in. We as Christians, we build one another up. Be a part of a small group and watch your eyes lock with Jesus at the other end of the table. But you see, those things I've just mentioned very quickly, I'm rushing through some of these these smaller points. These things are very, very simple things. You don't have to be a monk to fill your mind with God. You don't have to be a monk to lock eyes with him across the table. You don't have to get up three hours earlier than everyone else every morning and meditate on his word and fast and pray or whatever. If you want to do it, you go for it. Um, But the point I'm making is not that. The point I'm making is that Jesus wants to be our priority. Jesus wants to be our focus When we make him our focus, there is no space for the lies of the enemy at our table. And let me make it clear here, just as a bit of a side note, that I am in no way minimizing the reality of what we are going through, some of us. It's all sorts that we're all dealing with. You know, depression is real, anxiety is real, cancer is real, loneliness is real real things we'll have to deal with. And I'm not in any way minimizing the reality of that. Please hear me right. What I'm trying to do this evening 
is help us to realize that even throughout that, throughout our brokenness, throughout our hurting, even in the valley of the shadow of death, even in the presence of our enemies, God, he is there with us through it all. He sat at the other end of the table, smiling, with welcoming, opening arms. Just come back and look at me. So simple. And then the second way that I believe we remove this chair, so the first one, locking eyes with the king who sat opposite us. And the second one, I believe, is that we have to identify two different voices that are going on in this situation. The first one being identifying the lie that the enemy is speaking in our life. And the second being identifying the truth that God, the good shepherd, speaks in our life. In at Belchamps, about a month ago now, I asked the youth to do exactly this thing. And um, what they came up with um, was really profound. I asked um, the Lord a few years back, I said, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I think he did it. <laughs> because seeing how vulnerable the young people were in identifying lies that the enemy has spoken in their life, it really, really hurt me. These are some of the things that they came up with. Some things they're defined by, some lies they're defined by. I'm defined by my depression. I live in constant fear of death. I'm defined by my anxiety. I'm always struggling with talking to other people. I beat myself up in my mind at night. I've got struggles with my eating. I'm angry or impatient with people. I won't be able to pass my exams. My disability will get me in trouble at school. Doubt in my talents and my hobbies and what I enjoy. My health anxiety. My unhealthy eating. Fear that I'm going to be poor in the future. It really it was just so eye-opening seeing how vulnerable they were in that situation, but also seeing some of the things that they're going through. That this tonight, this message, isn't just for the select through, but it's for all of us. The devil, he has a way of making his way in some way, no matter what shape or form, into our lives. And tonight, the challenge is to identify where he is sat at your table. Straight after that, I asked the youth to write down a truth of God's word, how they believe that God is going to get them out of this situation, this lie that they are facing, this lie that the enemy has told them. This is what they said. He helps me talk to people in the right situations. I've got acceptance that God will help me, and when I die, I will be in a better place. He helps me make friends that I can share interests with and try new things with that I now enjoy. I pray and I trust God and he helps me to stay calm. God supports me and teaches me all I need. God is with me and will provide a solution. God will provide all I need in life. He, will help. he helps me show how I can handle things better. God is with me and provides me with the right support. God gives me patience and helps me with my schoolwork. I've got self-acceptance and I'm regaining my confidence. God helps me to do better and I don't do these things as often. He makes me healthier and stronger. I want to challenge you tonight. 
Will you be as vulnerable as the young people were with me and the other leaders and with God? I'm not asking you to write down on a piece of paper what that is, but this evening, I'm going to invite the band back up. This evening, as the band lead us in a time of worship, just you and God, identify what a lie is that the enemy has been telling you. Maybe it's been for years and years. And after you've identified that lie, I want you to lock eyes with the king. Lock eyes with the king. And then over that lie that you've heard the enemy tell you, I want you to speak a truth of God's word. So for me, I'm defined by my age. No, I'm not. I'm defined by your scars, Jesus, and what you say about me. And you know what happens when we do those two things, when we identify the lie that the enemy has spoken in our life, and when we sit down and lock eyes with the king who sat opposite us. This is what Jesus does. He gets up from his seat. To me, it's just so simple. Identify the lie that the enemy has spoken in your life and lock eyes with the good shepherd. He is there. He's a jealous God. He wants your time. He wants your attention. And tonight, freedom is saying that the enemy has no seat at my table. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who wants us fully. We thank you that you are a God who created us for community with you. We thank you that you have prepared a table for us, not with our enemies, not with the lies of life that we might be hearing, but with you and with only you. And tonight, Lord Jesus, we want to make that declaration that there is no space at our table for the enemy. We want to lock eyes with you and we want to tell the enemy not today. Father, we thank you that you willingly want to get up and remove that chair from our table. We thank you that it is for freedom that we have been set free tonight. Would you help us to open up our hearts to you right now? Would you help us to be truly vulnerable with you? Holy Spirit, would you convict us of what it is in our life that has been dominating our thinking, our thoughts, our way of life? And Lord, this evening we turn it back to you. We give it to you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.